I have the privilege to stand before you guys today uh, all the way from Homestead, Florida, right outside of Miami, Florida. Um, and my beautiful wife, Robin, is here with me today. Uh, hey, baby. Uh, that's my cheering section, so if you hear somebody getting a little crazy, it's her. All right? And then we have five kids and one on the way. Um, we believe the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. Um, and so we got a, a new one coming. And it's crazy because I was just telling somebody that um, I'm more nervous with this one than I was with my first one. And mainly because my first one, I was nervous because of ignorance. Uh, this one, I'm nervous because of knowledge. Okay, I know exactly what is going to happen and what is about to come on. So I'm kind of in this in-between stage, you know what I'm saying, in the middle. But that's okay because I've gotten a little comfortable with being in between. And let me tell you, where my man Daniel at? Daniel, you in here? He talked yesterday about being a millennial right there on the edge. Actually, I found out that we're actually in the middle, that we're actually called zennials. Okay, so that means between 1977 and 1985 is this in-between space. Okay, right? See, I got them in the room. I got them in the room. We're that group that didn't grow up with social media. You know what I'm saying? So we know what it means to live without it. Right, right? We're, we're that group that, that didn't grow up with the internet. You know what I'm saying? But we also knew what computers were, but they were so rare that it's cool to still be able to use a computer. You know what I'm saying? You remember it was like one, you know what I'm saying? And you saw it on TV, you know? So I feel like our generation, the Zenios, right, kind of got the best of both worlds. You know what I'm saying? We kind of got the in-between. We're kind of we're the special people. We're kind of like outliers. Y'all ever read the book by Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers? That's us. He was talking about us, all right? We're the Zenios, right? So what this does is it helps me because now I know who my target audience is today, okay? I know who I'm talking to. If you're an Xer, you're welcome to listen, okay? If you're a millennial, you're welcome to tune me out. But listen, I'm talking to the Zennials this morning, all right? And this is what I would say to the Zennials. The first thing I would say, three things. Number one would be find good friends. Find good friends. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, it is... Is there any greater pleasure on earth than to have a great circle of Christian friends around a fire? I remember one of my favorite times. Is this for the short people? Um, um, I remember some of my. Oh, come here, brother. Get that out. Take care of that. Praise God. Hey, glory. That brother must be a zenith. One of my favorite moments, advanced moments, was going on a trip with some North American guys. And if y'all know Dunny, he is just, uh, man, right? And so we're around a fire, you know, drinking, hanging out. And I was like, these white dudes is crazy. But it was so much fun, you know what I'm saying, to have friends, to have people that are concerned about you. Listen to this. We can point to almost all our failures and our successes in life connected to the relationships in our lives. What type of relationships do you have? Who do you have around you? Who do you have praying for you, encouraging you, and lifting you up? Who do you have? This was the millennials, Mike. Sorry about that. Check. One, two. All right. Awesome. But here's the thing. Who's in your corner? 
Who's, who's behind you? Proverbs 13, 20 says this. It says, he who walks with the wise grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. That you want to be around wise people. You want to find friends with these four things. You want to have friends that are reliable. Proverbs 18, 24 says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruins. You want to have friends that speak the truth. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies his kisses. You want to have friends that refresh. Proverbs 27, 9 says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. And lastly, you want to have a friend that makes you better. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So we want to be certain that we have good friends around us. But number two, and I think probably the most important out of these three, is the fact that character matters. That our character is important. Listen, competence, it gets you to the door, maybe through the door, but it's character that keeps you in the room. If you don't have good character, it's going to be a problem. Retired general of the American Army, Norman Schwarzkopf, he says this. He says 99% of leadership failures are failures of character. But let me help you. 99% of all other failures are the same. They're character issues. Too many of us lie way too much on our competence and not nearly enough on our character. Listen, our reliance as believers has to be on the gospel. It alone changes us. Stephen brought an amazing word, encouraging us to not just be, you know, start with the gospel, but that we're tethered, that we're connected continuously, always to the gospel. Because it's the gospel that changes us from the inside out. But that means now we lean on those same friends because in those friends, we should be able to find accountability. And in that accountability, listen, you can fake character for just a little while. But before long, you will be found out. Listen to this. Secrets are like tasteless poison. They will slowly destroy you. You need to have people in your life that you can be transparent with, that you can be honest with. Listen, I come from a context in America that for most African-American churches, sometimes there's a struggle with those things. And one of those main struggles is the fact that often those churches are led by just one person. Growing up, I didn't even know what an elder-led church was. I was even taught, I was taught that any, anything that has more than two heads is a monster. So as a result, you're taught to believe that one man, but listen, you can't lead alone. That's an ugly thing. Listen, it's a scary thing to be leading alone. So you need support and help. But you also have to be conscious of creating and building healthy habits. Because habits shaped character. If you got healthy habits, it makes a difference. Habits drive behavior, which form your character. Listen to this. It is through habits of rebelliousness against God that we become slaves to sin. 
And it's through habits of obedience that we become slaves to righteousness. That in essence, character is a muscle that has to be worked. You got to get in the gym, people, and you got to build up this character. Listen, you will never change your life until you change something you do daily. You have to be mindful of your daily activities. Now, listen, I'm talking to the Zennials. Millennials, if you hear this, praise God. (laughs) But I believe this is something we have to be mindful of. And then lastly, number three, I would say risk is good. That risking is a good thing. Listen, almost everything that I would like to say about this topic can be summed up in Paul's passionate words to the church at Philippi. And he says this, it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Listen, the definition of risk is an action that exposes you to the possibility of harm or injury. That listen, it's a possibility when you're willing to take the gospel to some ugly places that people may say, hey man, that's a risk. And you look at them and say, I know. Because if you take risk, there's a possibility you lose money. There's a possibility you lose stuff. But there's also a possibility that even worse, you risk other people like your family to harm. But I believe God is a faithful, loving, and gracious God. And let me explain this. We don't define God's will by the path of least resistance. Listen, we risk for the sake of the gospel. That we should be willing to take the gospel to the ugliest places because that's the place that needs the gospel. C.S. Lewis says this in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. To us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Are you too easily pleased? Are you too comfortable? Is everything just peachy? Everything is going so well with your church and your community that is is not even necessary in your mind to reach out to the broken, the lost. As Stephen ended, how many conversations are we saying, don't forget the poor? Listen, Christianity doesn't mean muting our desires. It means encouraging, even turning them up turning them up to God, desiring and wanting more. Every Christian's life is marked by a window of opportunity that demands that you take a radical step of faith in order to follow Jesus. 
And what makes that step radical is when we're willing to risk for the sake of the gospel. That we're willing to lose things. That we're willing to give up stuff to follow Jesus. To go see other people understand, hear, and grasp the love of God. Listen, the Christian life is a painful life. Not joyless. It's full of joy. But it's not painless either. We're going to experience that. It's going to happen. Will you be willing to risk it all? Go wherever God sends you to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Listen, God loves you. And let me tell you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That I listen to some of the people that come and stand up here and think about that we would even have to make such a statement that goes beyond maybe some of the millennials in the room to say, what, we can't post this on social media? That make someone's life may be in danger as a result of this? That's crazy. But they're risking for the sake of the gospel. Don't be comfortable, people. Don't just stay in that spot. Move beyond where you are. Reach out to the broken, the poor, the lost, so that they may know that Jesus loves them. Love you guys. Thank you.